0: Good morning, everyone. Good to see you this morning. I'm going to open us in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this day. We're thankful for each person that's here this morning. We're thankful, Lord, that we can lift your name and praises and hear your word. We just pray now, Lord, as we spend time studying your word, we find out about the things that uh, please you and the things that displease you and, and uh, follow suit and, and live our lives in a way that glorifies you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're gonna start right off in Proverbs 16, verse six. It says, there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. An abomination is a thing that causes disgust or hatred. Now, this is interesting because there are things that the Lord hates and that he's disgusted by. And some might say, I thought God was love. And the truth is, God is love. First John 4:6 tells us God is love. And because he is love, He, by his nature, has to hate things that go against love. He, by his nature, has to hate things that go against love. And there's seven sins that are listed in this uh, next passage that we're going to study. And it's not a comprehensive list of sins, but they are sins of attitude that God hates and is disgusted by when our attitudes reflect these types of things. Well, why? Why does God hate these things? Why is he disgusted by these things? Why does he hate when our attitude reflects these things? Well, the first reason really, I mean, the main reason really is because we are God's creation, okay? Everyone who walks the face of this earth is created by God, but Those who actually trust the gospel are known as God's children. Now, here's how it works. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. Jesus is that Savior. He died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. Three days later, Jesus rose from the grave to prove that he's God. And the scriptures teach us this. All who believe will have eternal life. All who believe are saved. All who believe have the right to... To be called children of God. We're adopted into his family. So if a person doesn't believe in Jesus, they are not a child of God yet. They are a creation of God. You probably hear this a lot. Oh, we're all children of God. Well, it's actually, it's bad theology. We're children of God when we trust in Christ as our Savior. Then we become adopted into his family and are have the right to be called children of God. We're all creations of God, but only those who believe are children of God. Now, God... Hates and is disgusted when his children have sinful attitudes. So that's what we're really gonna talk about. We're gonna look at these like attitude type sins. Now, last week we talked about parenting, right? So we talked about parenting from Proverbs. And as a parent, you want the best for your kids. So if you see your kid walking around the house with a bad attitude, you're like, what's wrong with you kid? You know what I mean? And then you try to like help the kid out because you know that if they leave the house with that bad attitude, that nothing good is gonna happen, right? Just like you, when you go to work, when you wake up in the morning and you have a bad attitude and you're like, I have to go to work. And you drive to work and you're like, I can't stand all these people on the road. And then you get to work and you're like, I can't stand these people either. And then you get home and you're like, these people. And then basically your attitude stinks. So nothing goes well. But when your attitude is good, then things go a little bit better. So basically what what I'm going to do this morning, this is not a deep dive into each of these sins of attitude, but it's a list of these seven attitude type sins that are hated by God. The reason they're hated by God is because they're not going to serve us well, they're not going to serve others well, and they're not going to serve him well if we practice them. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at the passage in its entirety, and then we're going to just pick apart. We're going to go and list each one of these things and talk about it. So this is, these are the seven things that God hates, okay? Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil. A false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. So let's start off with the first thing. Haughty eyes, okay, haughty, who uses that word? So haughty eyes, basically haughty is arrogance or pride, okay? The, ar- this attitude of arrogance or superiority over others. This describes this feeling of pride, looking down on other people. When we look down on other people or think more highly of ourselves, we call that pride. Some of you realize this, the first sin in history was the sin of pride when Lucifer thought he could be like God. And basically that sent mankind on a trajectory because now every sin pretty much can be traced back to that first sin of pride. Not believing that God was who he said he is and thinking you can be God in your own life. And that's basically what Lucifer was doing. So when we do have an attitude of pride, we look down on other people. So basically what happens here is I think in a broad sense, it's any area of your life that you are excelling at, you may be tempted to look at the people around you that are not excelling and you feel you're better than them. Have you been there? You have an area of life that you're pretty good at. Things are going well. Maybe it's your relationships, your family. Maybe it's your finances, your work. You're excelling. And then you see people that aren't, and you're kind of like, hmm, you know, they're kind of not as good as me. So basically what happens is is we are tempted to be prideful in certain areas of life. So maybe it's financially. Maybe you got your financial ducks in line, so to speak. You're doing well. So when you see somebody that really is struggling, you know, they, they can't, like, you know, make good decisions with their finances, you kind of look down on them. You think, I'm better than them. I'm better than them because I handle this better. Maybe it's educationally. Maybe you've like climbed the ladder in education and you see other people and you're like, well, you know, they don't really have the degrees that I have. They don't really have the, the educational, like, you know, mindset that I have. So you look down on them. Maybe it's relationally. You see somebody maybe they have a bad marriage or, or you know, bad relationship with their kids and you don't, and you have a good relationship in those areas. So you look down on them. Maybe it's health and well-being. Maybe you're physically fit and you take care of yourself and you look down at other people and you're like, what's wrong with these people? Why can't they take care of themselves? So you look down on them. Maybe it's spiritually. Maybe you've been a Christian for 20, 30, 40 years and you, know, you feel like very close to God and you're like, oh, why aren't these people like doing this? Why aren't they serving? Or why aren't they doing this or that? So you start to look down on other people. Well, God hates that. God hates when we're prideful and look down on other people. And a way to combat having haughty eyes with the attitude of pride is first realize this. This is what you first have to realize. You would not be where you are or who you are without the help of God. Okay, that's the first thing you have to realize. You would not be who you are. You would not be where you are. You would not be excelling in the area that you're excelling at if it wasn't for God. See, you need to praise God for those gifts and the blessings. The Bible says that God blesses the just and the wicked. So you need to first remind yourself, if I'm in this situation, excelling in this situation, I'm here because God has blessed me. I'm here because God has blessed me with these gifts and the abilities. It's not me, it's him. Now that's a very hard thing to do if you're prideful, right? because you think, I've done this. But second, and this is, you have to remember this, second is, so if you have an area of life that you're excelling at, or many areas, rather than looking down on others, ask how you can help those other people. Why does God have me in this person's life? Maybe it's so they can excel as well in whatever area that is. If you have have your act together in some area in life, maybe God has blessed you with that wisdom that you could share with others. Maybe you're in someone else's life so that you can actually help them. See, it's hard to be prideful when you're looking to say, how can I help you? How can I serve you? How can I help you get better in this area? See, sadly in life, this is what happens. There's a lot of people that think life is kind of a competition, right? If they're winning in some area, they're beating you, okay? Or if you're winning in some area, you're beating the other people. But why not look at it like this? Rather than I'm in a competition with everybody and I want to beat them, I want to be better than them, why not look at it like this? How can I make it so everyone around me is winning? You, know, you ever hear that um, old adage like a rising tide? Rises all ships, okay? The the truth is this. If you excel in some area of life, whatever it is, relationally, financially, work, whatever it is, maybe look at life and say, how can I help the other people? How can I help the other people see God's blessing? How can God help me to help them so that they can see who he is? Because when you lend a helping hand in any area of life, especially to the unbeliever, guess what? They start thinking, like, why is this person so kind to me? Why is this person so nice to me? Why are they not acting like everyone else? So how can I help them? And not only that, I'm here because of God's blessing. I'm excelling in this area because of what God has done. That's the way we combat these haughty eyes. Next, we have a lying tongue. Okay, so Jesus says to, he's rebuking the religious leaders, and this is what he says to the religious leaders of that day. He says, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do the father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. This is the attitude of deception, okay? Sometimes we fall into the trap of lying because we want to deceive other people into thinking certain things. Maybe it's to get your own way. Maybe you lie to get your own way. Maybe you lie to protect yourself or maybe you lie to promote yourself. You want people to think a certain way of you. Basically what Jesus is saying to these religious leaders that were trying to kill him, that's what the devil does. His native language is to lie. He wants to make himself look better. He knows he fell, but now he wants to either bring people down or make himself look better. So it's this attitude. So you may be tempted. You may be tempted in in life to lie because you want something. And you might feel the only way that you can get it is through deception. You might look around and see other people achieving and excelling because they deceive other people. They lie. So you may be tempted to lie because you did, you know, basically you, you want something and you feel the only way to get it is through dishonesty. You might be tempted to lie to protect yourself. Maybe you did something wrong and you want to protect yourself. Remember when you were a little kid, you know, and your parents were like, tell the truth. And you're like, oh, I'm going to get in trouble if I tell the truth. So you lie, right? To protect yourself. And some of you right now are adults that are still lying to protect yourself. Maybe you feel that if people knew the truth, it would damage your reputation. People would look at you differently. You would get in trouble. So you lie to protect yourself. Or maybe you may be tempted to lie because you want others to think a certain way about you. You lie to promote how you want them to see you. Now our culture has done a great job with this, right? It's given us social media everybody has their little website, right? Their little page to show everybody what? How amazing you are, okay? So basically what we do is we kind of paint a picture of what we want people to see, right? And I'm not saying that when you do that you're lying, but some people might fall into the temptation of lying, like, oh, my marriage is not that good. So I'm going to post this about me and my wife or me and my husband and say, we're having fun in the pumpkin patch and everybody's great, you know. <laughs> and really, at home, you're like, ah, you know. <laughs> so you want to promote something nice so people can see how amazing you guys are. But really, there's deep-rooted issues going on. Whatever it may be, The main way to combat these temptations is very simple. Okay, it's very basic. What you've learned from when you were a little kid, tell the truth, tell the truth. It's it's no more simple than that. Tell the truth, be truthful with yourself, right? Be truthful with yourself, admit where you're wrong, what you're doing wrong, how you're living, tell the truth be truthful with yourself. Be truthful with God, guess why? Because he knows what the truth is. Be truthful with God and be truthful with other people. The next thing that God hates is hands that shed innocent blood. And some of you right now are like, okay, I don't do that. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) I hope. (laughs) But then John says in John 3.15, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Let me just say something before I go into this a little bit. Jesus is talking about this heart attitude. Hate is like murder. And then he says, and you know no murderer has eternal life abiding him. What John is doing is he's, he's actually saying like, are you a Christian? If you really are hating someone, you have to check your spiritual life because this is not conducive of what a saved person acts like, okay? This is not conducive of what a saved person acts like, so check yourself. So it's an attitude of hatred towards other that God hates. And sadly, we see this in our world. Hatred leading to murder. Innocent people dying. We've seen this over the past year plus in Ukraine. We've seen this over the past weeks in Israel. Because we say, How can people do this stuff? How could people commit murder? How could people commit these atrocities? How could they wage war against people that they've never even met, that they don't even know? How can they do that? Well, here's how, here's what happens. John kind of helps us understand this a little bit. He says, whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes see here's what happened hatred spiritually blinds us and when we're spiritually blinded we do things in view of our flesh so if we're not in tune with our spiritual life what we're in tune with we follow our fleshly desires so now instead of seeing people the way God wants us to see them here's what we do we see our selfish desires and In our own self-serving, selfish plans, like in the case of, say, war, people die because they're in the way, right? People die because they're in the way. They're like, I want something certain. I have a fleshly desire and I want this. So the people that are in the way of that will die because I need to get my desires met. Well, the main way we combat hatred is actually what Jesus says by loving, loving our enemies, praying for our enemies. If you have someone in your life that you struggle with, and maybe you would never say out loud that you hate them because that sounds terrible, right? You would never say out loud, I hate this person, but you know, deep down inside, you really, 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 really don't like them, okay? Maybe there's somebody in your life that you really, really, really don't like. Here's what you need to do. Put them on your prayer list. Put them on your prayer list. Pray for them. That's what Jesus said. Pray for your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Guess what? If you've ever done this, you know it's not easy, right? You're like, okay, I could write somebody on the prayer list. No, pray for them, okay? <laughs> don't just write them down. Pray for them. Because here's what you're doing when you're praying for somebody. You're calling down a blessing on them. Now here's somebody that you really, 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 really don't like, right? And now you are asking God to bless them. Do you think that's going to be hard? Of course it's going to be hard because you really, really, really don't like them. And you don't want people to be blessed that you really, really, really don't like because you really, really don't like them. So here's the thing. When you start praying for them, here's what's going to happen. God's going to change your heart. God's going to change how you look at them. God's going to change your perspective. And you know what? I really believe that God will work to change them as well. Because obviously you have reasons and some legitimate reasons why there's somebody in your life that you really don't like. Because they've done something harmful or hurtful to you. And they need to be changed by God. And the only way that they're going to be changed, the only way that you're going to be changed, is by actually praying for this person. The next thing that God hates is a heart that devises wicked plans. Thinking or conceiving evil. This is when we plan our sin. You know, sometimes in life we fall into sin, right? We fall into sin. We didn't really know what was available to us. We were hanging out. We were doing whatever. And whoops, I fell into sin. But sometimes we plan it. Now, God doesn't like when we sin, but he has a certain hatred when we plan it. Well, why? I think because planning sin takes thought, time, effort. Normally, there's enough room and enough time for us to come to our senses and say, you know what? maybe i shouldn't do this so god hates when we sit down and plan notice it says a heart that devises the heart is the core of our being that's what proverbs 4 tells us the heart's a core of our being so basically this is saying the core of us in whatever situation is we're planning to sin at the core this is why the sermon on the mount if you read the sermon on the mount Jesus takes the actions of the Ten Commandments and then says, no, it's not just the actions. It's the heart attitude, the heart intention, and the heart motives that cause us to break these. So what happens is this. Our heart motive is to plan out and actually live out breaking what God's commands are. You know, David comes to mind in 2 Samuel 11 when he sinned with Bathsheba. Some of you remember that. He sinned with Bathsheba, found out Bathsheba had a husband, didn't care, sinned with her, and then found out that she was pregnant and it wasn't Uriah, her husband's kid. It was his kid. So what did David do? He planned. He conspired to try to get Uriah, the loyal soldier, killed. God hates that. Here, this blessed king is like, let me, let me figure this out to protect myself, to protect my reputation so that nobody finds out what I did was wrong. You know, the way we combat this is when we catch ourselves planning out our sin. Remember, we're sinning against God, a God that loves us. I am planning to do something that my heavenly father hates. That's what you have to say to yourself. I'm planning to do something that my Heavenly Father hates. I have to check my heart. As Proverbs 4 tells us, guard that heart. Guard your heart. Our plans should be, how can I serve the God that loves me? How can I serve others? How can I fulfill my roles and responsibilities? Think about this. If you took the effort that you that went into planning sin, and said, you know what, no, I'm going to take this effort and put it into serving God, serving others, fulfilling my responsibilities, doing what I'm called to do in whatever life stage I'm in. Think about that for a second. That's where your time and effort should be going into, not devising and planning sin. The next thing that God hates is feet that make haste to run to evil. Those who are quick to rush into evil display no sensitivity to sin. They see sin and they want to take part in it. It's it's like a college campus on the weekend. Like, there! that's where we're going tonight, right? In fact, they're looking for it. And when they find it, they take part in it. Not just college campuses, but people. People all around us, right? Running to evil. Running to the things that God desires us to turn our back on. In 1 Timothy 4, Paul says the reason why this happens is people's consciences are seared. Meaning their sensitivity to sin no longer exists, or maybe they never even had it at all. So when we see sinful activities, they look enticing. We run to it. But here's what happens right now. Here's what happens right now. The world is speaking louder than the word in our lives. When we run to sin, the world is speaking louder than the word in our lives. You know what, it's hard, isn't it? Because the world is very loud. We open up the doors of our lives and the world says all day long is speaking to us, right? Through media, through phones, through computers, through TV, through movies, through music, through the people that we surround. The world is just speaking, speaking. We don't even ask for it a lot of times. It's just there, right? You go online, you go on TV, you go on your phone. It's just there. It's coming at you. You're getting notifications about what the world is saying. The world's saying, do this. It's cool. This is fun. This feels good. You can have this. Have a good time. Whatever makes you happy. Live fast. Who cares about what God says? Who cares about the feelings of others? You make your own rules. Those aren't the only things that the world says, but it's a lot of it. The world promotes sin and we become so desensitized to sin. And because of that, instead of avoiding or running from sin, we start to run towards it. In fact, we don't even have to run towards it because it's right there at our door. We get to the point which we start to not know any better. We start to live in this world and not know how to decipher right from wrong. And we become desensitized. Well, do you know the best way to combat this? It's being in the word, okay? The world is speaking loudly. The word has to be spoken loudly to us. You know me, I've been banging on this drum for a long time. Get in the word, right? Get in the word. You need to be on a steady diet of word intake. Does this mean that you need to read the word all day because the world's speaking all day? I mean, hey, if you can do that, great. But the truth is, you need to have some kind of a plan to get yourself in the Word. This is what Hebrews says about God's Word. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of a heart. You want to get to the bottom of what's going on? You need to get into God's Word. You need to get into God's Word. You need to be on a steady diet of God's Word. Here's what Proverbs says. 30 says it says every word of God proves true he's a shield to those who take refuge in him the word is truth okay God's word is truth you're looking for truth you're looking for purpose in life it's found in God's word you need to get into God's word you and I have no excuses we have so we we have time in our day that we do other things so when you're doing those other things, you have to say, is this gonna be helpful or hurtful? Is this gonna be useful or useless? Is this gonna let the world speak very loudly or is this gonna let the word speak very loudly? Here's some tips. I've been saying this for a long time. Bible reading plans, YouVersion Bible app. It's so much easier now, isn't it? I mean, for those of you who don't like to read, you can listen, okay? I know there's a lot of people that don't like to read they don't feel comfortable reading, they feel they read slow, whatever your issue is, start listening. I would suggest this, when you listen, read along. That'll help your reading skills, so then you could read more clearly. You can pay attention more clearly. Bible reading plans on the YouVersion Bible app, our daily bread, we have the little devotionals out there, you can grab one of those. Um, We have a resource link on our church app, on the church website, with all kinds of different tools to get you into the word, Find out the answers to your questions that you have about the word. we have taken time to put all these resources together. Why? So you can develop a steady diet of God's word. If you hear nothing else, obviously, besides the gospel message, you need to get into the word. You need to allow God to speak to you. Because the world is speaking, and it's very loud. And I will say this, and I don't want to be a doomsdayer, but the world is not pointing people to Jesus. The Word is. So the idea here is this give the Word some airtime every day. Give it some airtime every day. Pair back on whatever you're doing and give the Word some airtime. Next, God hates a false witness who breathes out lies. Now, this is obviously similar to the lying tongue mentioned earlier, but this is the form of lying and it's giving special mention as it can be to injustice, a false witness. You might be lying on behalf of another person or in order to gain from that, you might be hiding part of the truth so that someone you know can get away with something. Maybe you're afraid to tell the truth in a certain situation because it might get somebody else in trouble and then they'll be mad at you. Whatever it might be, maybe you turn a blind eye to something that's wrong and you don't call it out. Maybe you constantly see somebody in your life doing something wrong and you're just like, what am I gonna do, what am I gonna do, what am I gonna do? Well, sometimes you just have to say, hey, this is wrong. This is not helpful, especially you parents out there. We talked about parenting last year, yeah, last year, last week, okay, we talked about parenting last week. If you see your kid going down the wrong path and you turn a blind eye to that, you are not serving them. You're not serving them well at all. You just have to say it. And sometimes as parents, right, we're afraid. Ah, oh, the kid's going to be mad at me. The kid's going to get mad. They're not going to like me. Who cares, okay? Who cares? If you see them going the wrong way, if you see your kid getting on a bike and riding off a cliff, are you are going to be like, oh, I'll see how that's going to work out for him? okay? That's not what you do, okay? You warn them. You tell them. Or you might be breathing out lies because you know that if people knew the truth, you would not benefit. Whatever it is, again, here, like earlier, the simple thing is be a truth teller. Tell the truth. Don't breathe out those lies. Now, the final thing in this passage, final thing in this passage that the Lord hates, the Lord hates one who sows discord among brothers. Psalm 133 says this, Behold, how good and pleasant is when brothers dwell in unity. Now, I don't think this is just talking about siblings. I think this is talking about the, the household of faith. Believers, you know, sadly many churches can't get along and it's because their people are selfish and they fight And they don't realize their purpose Thankfully here. We're blessed in this church that all of you realize the purpose is to make disciples of Jesus to get that gospel Message out so that people move from death to life And then when people move from death to life, then we can work together and learn together and help each other so this church has been nothing but a blessing to me and my family and I feel this community. So I'm so thankful for that. But the Proverbs tells us some things that cause discord and this isn't just just amongst the church, but this is just in general. And here's what the proverb says. A dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. Dishonesty, we talked about that lying tongue. It cause strife. and a whisper, some translations say a gossip separates close friends. Now, our world has taken this term gossip, right, and kind of made sport of it in a sense. We have shows, you know, you watch, oh, it's the celebrity gossip, right? Spill the tea. Let me find out what's going on. And the truth is, is many people love to hear the gossip. Right, do you know, what, you know what the proverb says about gossip? It's like choice morsels that go down to the inmost parts. Like I always think about it like a nice chocolate chip cookie with the, you know, soft in the middle, crunchy on the outside, <laughs> yeah. um, That's how some people look at gossip, right? They're like, oh, I wanna know, I wanna find out. Tell me the good news of their demise. You know what that does? Separates close friends. And some of you might say, well, what I told that other person was true, so it's not gossip. Well, here's what the scriptures say. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. You know, sometimes people don't need to know some things. Sometimes we just need to say, you know what? I'm trying to cover this. I, I, I want to offer forgiveness. I don't want to ruin that person's reputation. Yeah, they did me wrong, but you know what? I'm gonna not broadcast it and tell other people about it because it's not gonna be helpful for them. It's gonna sow discord. Just because something's true doesn't mean it needs to be said. In fact, sometimes when it's repeated, it makes matters worse. So a way to combat sowing discord is to look to say things that bring peace and keep peace. Now I know that Romans says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with other people. So Paul realizes there's gonna be certain people that they're gonna be hard to have peace with, right? But you know what, as far as it depends on you, make sure you do the right thing. I can say if we steer clear of the things that God hates, we have a better chance, right, of living at peace with others. So as believers, We should love what God loves, and we should hate what God hates. Because what he hates will bring ruin to our lives, will bring ruin to the people around us, and it will displease him. But what God loves will benefit our lives, will benefit the people around us, and ultimately, it will bring glory to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this day. We're thankful, Lord, that you are a God of love and you are a God that loves and you are, in fact, love. But we know, God, that there are things that you are disgusted by, the sinful things, and we should be equally as disgusted by those things. We should live our lives with your help in view of not going down those roads but following after you, the God of love, the one who loves us and the one who saved us. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. Amen. Amen.